0: ATTENTION! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Xander's Facts. Xander's Facts on a Wednesday, just like every other week. What's happening, y'all? Welcome in the latest edition of the Xander's Facts podcast. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander. Welcome into episode 36 of the xander's facts podcast recording for the first time in the month of october how about that thank you all for listening and remember if you like the xander's facts podcast if you like all the facts or if you're going to enjoy all the facts on this upcoming podcast then remember click that follow button click that download button rate review all those buttons and then remember to click on the other buttons on your social medias twitter Facebook, Instagram, if your Facebook's working again, Xander's Facts, that's Xander with a Z, and remember, most importantly, to tell all your friends about the Xander's Facts podcast, spreading the facts is what we call it around here, and then we've got our all-new link tree that is linked on this episode's description, it is on the bottom of the episode, I don't know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, it's there, click it, all your links are there for all the socials, all the Xander's Facts stuff, do that, click that. And plus, if you haven't listened to any of our past episodes, you might want to do that because last week we talked about some stuff that's going to lead into some stuff we're talking about this week, like in politics, actually not really politics this week because we're going to have a history lesson, Xander's Historical Facts. It's a new segment really, that we've got coming up today on the Xander's Facts Podcast. We'll get to that in a minute, but first, we've got some football we've got to talk about, so let's talk about it because week five in college football happened last week if you didn't know and i didn't do so hot because i predicted a bunch of upsets that i thought were going to happen but turned out to not happen alabama played ole miss they won i didn't pick alabama to win iowa played maryland they won they beat up maryland i did not pick them to win that wasn't too good i picked utah state to beat byu they didn't i picked lsu to beat auburn they didn't it was bad And then there were a couple of upsets that happened that I didn't think were going to happen. Like Oregon lost to Stanford, and Kentucky beat Florida, and Mississippi State beat Texas A&M, and Hawaii beat Fresno State. Well, I did pick that one. I picked Hawaii to beat Fresno State, so there you go. But other big games, Georgia was able to beat Arkansas. That was the top 10 matchup. Cincinnati beat Notre Dame. They moved up at the polls. I picked Cincinnati to win that game. You all said it was crazy. I might have been. Because I only went 12-8 and eight last week. That wasn't very good. I did pick Georgia, Cincinnati, Penn State 1, Michigan 1, Hawaii, Wake Forest 1-2. Of course, I also picked Ole Miss, Oregon, Maryland, Florida, Utah State, Texas A&M, LSU, UCLA lost 2. None of those are good. We're going to get that out of the week. That's only 60% of games, right? That's pretty terrible. Yearly record is 76-28. and 28. We're getting up there with a point seven three one winning percentage. at 73% of games. So that's pretty good. But it wasn't too great last week so we're gonna to try to do better this week on week six so let's get to it because we've got the number one team in the country once again alabama they play texas a&m in a prime time game in college station eight o'clock on cbs this was a preseason top five matchup but texas a&m after two straight losses is unranked and alabama should probably steamroll them number two georgia Goes to Alabama to take on Auburn, who's 18th at 330 on CBS. It's the first game of the SEC doubleheader, which brings Georgia down to Auburn. Now, Georgia took care of Arkansas last week, and I don't see them slowing down this week. Georgia's really good. Georgia's going to win. It's a fact. And how about this? A top five matchup. How about that? Penn State is fourth at 5-0. Iowa is third at 5-0. That game is 4 o'clock on Fox. It's a sneaky top five matchup in Iowa City. Both teams are 5-0, and they've both beaten some quality opponents. It should be a great game. But I think that Iowa's looking more well-rounded, and I think they're going to use the home field advantage to win the game. It should be a great game. Iowa will beat Penn State. Cincinnati moved up to fifth in the poll after beating Notre Dame. They have a serious chance of being in the playoff picture right now. First- Group of five team in the playoff. Uh, maybe if they don't get tripped up. How about that? They play Temple this week on Friday at 7 o'clock on ESPN. And I think they will beat Temple in the Cotton Bowl on Saturday at noon on ABC in Dallas. It's number six, Oklahoma, taking on number 21. Texas College. Game Day is going to be there at the Texas State Fair. And a win for Texas would be huge for Steve Sarkeesian's first season at Texas. He's the head coach. And it's possible. Because Oklahoma hasn't looked sharp this season. And I'll go ahead and pick Texas. I think Texas is going to beat Oklahoma. Finally, the Cotton Bowl. They haven't done that in a while, I think. Texas is going to win. Maryland plays in Columbus at number seven, Ohio State, at noon on Fox. And this would have been a decent game if Maryland was able to beat Iowa, but they fell flat. But still, keep an eye on this game. Iowa State could lay an egg. I don't think they will, though. I think they'll win. Ohio State, noon on Fox. Oregon. Dropped down to 8 after losing to Stanford. They take a bye week. And Michigan moved up to 9. They're 5-0. and oh, And they head to the Corn Husker State. I don't know what it is. Disrespectful! The Cornhuskers. Nebraska, 7-30 ABC. Michigan beat Wisconsin last week. And they're looking like a serious Big Ten contender. And against Nebraska, they should win. But watch it be close. We'll see. Boise State takes on BYU, who was undefeated and 10th in the country at 3-30 on ABC. And normally this would be a decent matchup. But Boise State's only 2-3. They haven't looked sharp, but they did beat Utah State, who I thought was going to beat BYU, but didn't. And BYU may be overlooking them, which is why I've got the Broncos winning this game. i got Boise State beating BYU at 3-30 on ABC. Michigan State is 11th and undefeated, and they go to New Jersey to take on Rutgers at noon on the Big Ten Network. Michigan State just keeps moving up in the poll, but their biggest win was Miami, and Miami's not looking too good now. I think they'll fall to Rutgers. I think Rutgers is going to win the game. Oklahoma State moved up to 12th. They beat Baylor last week. They face Texas and Austin next week, but they've got a bye week this week. Arkansas moved down to 13 after their loss, and Ole Miss moved down to 17 after their loss. Those two play each other at noon on ESPN. That's a top 20 SEC matchup. These are two good teams, but I do like Ole Miss's offense playing anyone except Alabama, so I'll take Ole miss huh number 14 notre dame heads down to blacksburg to take on the hokies of virginia tech at 7 30 on the acc network virginia tech got a bye week last week to prepare for notre dame come into lane stadium under the lights and it would be nice if the hokies could win they could beat notre dame finally in blacksburg so i'll say they will yikes i don't know if they will i'm picking them super hesitantly so we'll see I don't know. Notre Dame did just lose to Cincinnati, but I really like Cincinnati, so I'll pick the Hokies. Number fifteen is Coastal Carolina. They're undefeated. They take on Arkansas State at, on Thursday at 7:30 on ESPNU. U. Coastal Carolina just keeps coasting in the Sun Belt. They'll win again this week. Kentucky was unranked last week. They're sixteenth of the poll now, but they're undefeated at five and zero. They host LSU at 7:30 on the SEC Network. They just got a huge win over Florida. Kentucky did and they're welcoming an interesting LSU team, which actually may be parting ways with their coach pretty soon. Hmm. It Orgeron, on good tigers. I will take Big Blue Nation, Kentucky, to win this one. Wake Forest moved up to 19th. They're undefeated, too, as they go up to Syracuse, who is 3-2 at 3.30 on ESPN2. Wake may be the ACC's best hope for the playoff right now, which is terrifying. Wake Forest. But they're 5-0, and they should beat Syracuse. But if they don't... Please pray for us in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Why would you do this to me? Florida is 20th after they just lost their second game of the season. They lost to Kentucky. They're a good team, but they laid an egg. They play Vanderbilt at home at noon on the SEC Network. They should rebound nicely against Vanderbilt. Arizona State beat UCLA last week. They're now 22nd in the poll as they host Stanford on Friday at 10.30 on ESPN. Arizona State's been all over the place this year, but the back of the poll. Stanford is probably riding high after their big win against Oregon, so that might hinder them this week. I will go with Arizona State. NC State is 23rd. They barely beat Louisiana Tech last week, but they did, and they take a bye week this week. Into the poll at 24 is SMU. They go to Annapolis to take on Navy at 3.30 on CBS Sports Network, and SMU is probably going to be the toughest test for Cincinnati in the American this year. And they enter the poll with an undefeated record, and against the struggling 1-3 Navy team, they will win. New Mexico goes to San Diego to take on the 25th ranked San Diego State Aztecs, who are undefeated at 9 o'clock on FS1, and San Diego State sneaks in to the poll at 25 after taking a bye week. They face New Mexico, a team they should and will beat. So that's the 25 teams. Where's Clemson? I know what you're saying. They beat Boston College last week, but barely... It wasn't a good game, and they're out of the poll for the first time since 2014. How about that? Xander facts. That's college football. Ugh. Before we get to our history lesson, let's go to the NFL, where it's going to be week five this week, but last week was week four, and it started off with a decent Thursday night matchup, actually, with the Bengals getting last second field goal to survive the Jaguars at home as the Jags fall to 0-4. And speaking of Jacksonville... <laughs> I don't know if you've heard about what their head coach, Urban Meyer, has been doing recently, but if you haven't, you need to go look it up because he's been doing some naughty things. Uh Uh-oh. He might not make it to Sunday. I don't know. We'll see. But on Sunday, Sandra did a lot better with his picks in the NFL than in college. The Bills dropped 40 points on the Texans, who scored zero. The Bears kept the Lions winless. The Cowboys beat the Panthers. The Colts beat the Dolphins. And the Chiefs survived The Eagles and two games went to overtime with the Giants beating the Saints and the Jets getting their first one of the year against the Titans. Sander, of course, did not pick any of those games correctly. But later on Sunday, the Cardinals thumped the Rams in LA 37 20 to remain undefeated. The Ravens beat up the Broncos. The Seahawks survived the 49ers and the Packers held on against the Steelers. And then Sunday night brought Tom Brady back to New England for the first time as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And that game. Did not disappoint. The Bucks won 19-17 after the Patriots missed a field goal in the final minute. And that game was the second most watched Sunday night regular season game in history. What was number one? It was the 2012 Week 17 Cowboys-Washington game. That was the RG3 game. That game was the most watched Sunday night game in history. This game, this was second most, though. That's pretty good. That was a fact. And then Monday night brought a random weather delay in Los Angeles. Even though they're in the Dome, they had to pause for lightning. But the Chargers still gave the Raiders their first loss of the season on Monday night. So Xander went 13-3. and on picks last week that's pretty good terrible some good picks in the Bengals, washington football team the bucks the seahawks and the packers of course i did pick the saints and the titans and i picked the rams to beat the cardinals even though i'm high on the cardinals i don't know why i did that i thought the rams were gonna win but the cardinals they smoked them that's 81.25 percent of games that's really good and a yearly record of 42 and 22 bumps up the winning percentage to 65.6 percent it's getting better, and now let's head to Week 5. Some more predictions, because Thursday night's a good one. In the NFC West, it's the Rams heading to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. That game is 8:20 on Fox, NFL Network, and Amazon Prime Video. An NFC West showdown on Thursday night brings the Rams, who just lost their first game of the season, to Seattle. And I think the Rams are going to be amped up after that loss, and they should beat the Seahawks on Thursday. Sunday, 9.30 a.m. on NFL Network from London, England. Overrated. It's the Jets and the Falcons, a battle of one in three teams in the first London game of the year. We're getting London games after last year. We didn't. The Jets just got their first win of the year, but I don't think they're going to be able to stop the Falcons, who have Corderell Patterson on their team, who has gone off. I think he scored like three touchdowns last week against Washington. The Falcons should win the game. And then, Sunday afternoon, the Packers take on the Bengals, and the Packers have bounced back since week one, and the Bengals have looked sharp so far this year, so this should be a good game, one o'clock on Fox. Of course, Green Bay has Aaron Rodgers, which I think should be enough for a dub. Packers win it. The Lions head to Minnesota to take on the Vikings at one o'clock on Fox. The Vikings are only one and three, but their offense has been decent with the exception of last week when they only scored seven points against the Browns. They should drop the Lions down to five losses and zero wins. Sorry, Detroit. Minnesota's going to win. The Broncos head to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers at one o'clock on Fox. And the Broncos were undefeated until they faced a good team in Baltimore. And the Steelers have struggled this year, as I said. But I think they'll pull this game out at home. Steelers. I don't know. The Dolphins stay in the state of Florida. They head to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers at one o'clock on CBS. The Dolphins have not found a rhythm without their quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa. He's injured right now, and now they face Tampa bay. Bucs should win easily. The Eagles are 1-3. They head to Carolina to take on the 3-1 Panthers at 1 o'clock on Fox, and the Eagles have played better than their record says on offense, but Carolina has impressed me. They only fell to Dallas by eight points. It should be a close game, but I will take Carolina. The Saints head to Maryland to take on the Washington football team, both 2-2 two and two teams at 1 o'clock on CBS. The Saints laid another egg against the Giants, and now they face another NFC East team in Washington. And Washington's defense has definitely not lived up to the hype. They have been terrible. Terrible. So far this year, they just gave up 30 points to the Falcons. And it has got to improve for them to be able to win that division. But I will predict them to beat New Orleans at home because I'm not sure about the Saints and what they're doing with Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill. I don't know how that's going on. So, the Titans. Head to Jacksonville, take on the Jaguars. One o'clock on CBS. The Titans just gave their Jets the first win of the year because they do the same for the Jaguars. Well, the Jaguars have got some other issues right now. I don't even know if Urban is going to be the coach by Sunday. Need some mice for that sick bird. It won't matter because the Titans are going to win. Jaguars are going to lose. The Patriots take on the Texans at 1 o'clock on CBS. Both of those teams are 1-3. And, and after a tough loss to Tampa Bay, the Patriots head down to Houston. But they showed me enough last week. For me to be able to confidently predict that the Patriots will beat the Texans, the Bears head to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders at four o five on c b s and the Raiders are a good team, but they ran into a really good team on Monday night against the Chargers and If Andy Dalton's back, he's starting for the Bears, and that's not good for the Bears. The Raiders will win at home. And the other 4 5 game on CBS is the Browns and the Chargers. That should be a good one. 3-1 and one teams. The Chargers showed that they are really good once again on Monday night. And Cleveland only put up 14 points on Minnesota. LA's offense, I think, is just going to be enough to win. The Chargers will win the game. Deal with it. 4:25 on Fox. Of course, they're going to shove this down your throats. Giants and Cowboys in the NFC East. The Cowboys are showing that elite potential we talked about in the preseason, though. We said that offense clicks. If their defense is just decent enough, they could be really good. They're showing that right now. And if the defense keeps up the production, watch out. They should beat the Giants, but it might get a little too close for comfort. That's NFC East. You never know. And then also at 425 on Fox, it's the 49ers and the undefeated Cardinals. It's the other NFC West matchup that brings San Francisco to the desert against the NFL's only remaining undefeated team. Another fact. How about that? After they beat LA, you better join me on the Cardinals hype train because it's getting pretty full. Arizona's going to win. They're going to move to 5-0. Oh. Watch out. Here come the Cardinals. Kyler Murray! And then on Sunday Night Football, ooh, a potential AFC Championship matchup brings Buffalo to Arrowhead against a Kansas City Chiefs team that is 2-2 two two right now. That game, 8-20 on NBC Sunday night. The Bills offense has been on fire recently, and the Chiefs are just starting to get into a rhythm. This is definitely going to be a shootout, but I will take Kansas City to pull ahead. How about that? The Chiefs. And then Monday night brings the 1-3 Colts against the 3-1 Ravens, 8-15 on ESPN. The Colts got their first win last week against Miami, while Baltimore easily took care of of the broncos and with the way the colts have looked through four weeks this may not be close the ravens should easily take the win so that's nfl we'll see if i can match what i did last week because last week was pretty good in the nfl hopefully i do better in college this week we'll see football xander's facts but before we go to our history lesson hold on attention i got something else because not just football is happening this week football as well World Cup qualifiers are coming back for the U.S. men's national team. They're back in action beginning on Thursday. They face Jamaica in Austin, Texas. That game is 7.30 on ESPN2. This Thursday, October 7th, watch it. And then Sunday, the U.S. heads down to Panama to play their national team at 6 o'clock on Paramount+. Plus. And then on Wednesday, October 13th, next week, a week from today, they will face Costa Rica in Columbus, Ohio, at 7 o'clock on ESPN 2. That's the three World Cup qualifiers they've got coming up. And currently, the U.S., Canada, and Panama all have five points. They're tied for second place in the World Cup qualifiers right now. Mexico is in first place with seven points. And there are still a bunch of games to go. We've got until March or whatever for the games to keep going. But the U.S. should definitely win these home games and play well in Panama. To get back on track after they drew two of their three first World Cup qualifiers. And this might be tricky for the U.S. because they're without two of their best players. Christian Pulisic and Giovanni Reyna are both dealing with injuries. Weston McKinney's back after he did some extracurricular activities, apparently, that were not good, but he's back. So we'll see what the U.S. can do. Those are Thursday, Sunday, and next Wednesday. Watch your national team! It's the U.S. men's national team. So that's soccer football and football good to know but now the moment you've been waiting for here we go because after the break we have got a history lesson for you a new segment is coming up because last week i talked all about conservatism or i yelled about it and how terrible it was and you all were like sander are you crazy and i was like perhaps but let's do a history lesson a big deep dive on the history of america we're gonna talk about that what are we talking about we're gonna talk about that Coming up, as the Xander's Facts Podcast continues. Xander's Facts. Welcome back in Xander's Facts Podcast. Hope you had a nice little break from my screaming. But now I've got some more screaming to talk about because we have got a bunch of things to talk about in news, politics, history. I don't know what we're doing this week. But last week xander got a little riled up when talking about politics so actually we're going to give you a little bit of an update before we get into our main topic because last week we talked about government shutdown debt ceiling infrastructure so let's give you an update because we were discussing the current situation with the debt ceiling when i started going off so congress passed and the president signed a bill that will avert a government shutdown and keep the federal government open until december thank goodness but democrats are still stuck on infrastructure negotiations right now, as a vote on the bipartisan infrastructure bill was delayed in the House. We said it was gonna be Thursday. Pelosi delayed it because she didn't have the votes. And it looks like the reconciliation bill is gonna to have to be renegotiated again to please the moderates, so we're gonna to have to deal with all that. And finally, the debt ceiling issue has still not been resolved as Republicans this got me worried up last week. Republicans refuse to vote to extend or suspend the limit while Democrats are demanding bipartisan cooperation on the proposal. They are reportedly as of tuesday night prepared to get rid of the filibuster fort which could be huge which we've been trying to do for months because it's a jim crow relic oh we're gonna talk about jim crow hold on a second so hold on a second this is of course what got xander riled up all last week i got into a rant about how this is par for the course republicans and how they're fiscally irresponsible and how conservatism has fundamentally ruined this country. And of course, you all probably said, well, said, Xander, you're crazy. And I was like, well, that's probably true. I am crazy. But this week, we are going to take a journey down memory lane, the history of the United States and the world, to prove my point about how conservatives and conservatism has done relatively little to advance this country forward. It's time for a history lesson, y'all. Let's do a reset. It's a new segment, Xander's Historical facts here we go so for this history lesson let's go all the way back to the year zero jesus christ is born no just kidding but that's actually important because republicans and conservatives of course like to call themselves christians and then go and basically ignore every teaching of jesus but that's for another day we can talk about that later so let's define conservative and conservatism what do they actually mean so according to oxford dictionary conservative is the commitment to traditional values and ideas with opposition to change or innovation wonderful according to britannica it is the political doctrine that emphasizes the value of traditional institutions and values okay sounds great right well let's dig deeper actually it didn't sound that great but let's dig deeper so actually let's focus on some of the most important events in american history and of course the nation started after the independence was declared from britain in 1776 the nation was relatively united on most fronts but let's move to the first point where the nation was really truly divided the civil war and if you know anything about the u.s civil war you know it started after the 1860 election of president abraham lincoln when south carolina seceded from the union and soon after a bunch of other southern states seceded to form the confederate state's of America, you. Why did they secede? Well, they say, and a lot of people are going to tell you right now, states' rights. Well, that's technically true, but a state's right to what? The states seceded because they were afraid the election of President Lincoln would bring the end of slavery. So yes, states' rights, but the states' rights to allowing slavery. So the states' rights issue is stupid and literally used just to deflect from what the defining issue actually was: slavery. Because they were afraid he was going to get rid of slavery. But the states wanted to write slavery. So there you go. So at the time, the South was mainly compromised of Democrats. What, Sander, are you serious? I know, right? It's crazy. And President Lincoln was a Republican. He was the first Republican president. In fact, but Lincoln is known as the father of American social liberalism. That doesn't sound very conservative to me. While also being the first Republican president. So during his presidency... He was pro-government. He was pro-social justice, duh, opposing slavery. He created the first income tax and the first free public university. So it's kind of shocking that Republicans actually embrace Lincoln because he would be nowhere near today's Republican Party in terms of ideology. He was actually more of a progressive, a social liberal, in fact. But they won't talk about that. They'll talk about free and slavery. Yep. Eh, It's not very conservative. So let's take a look at the definition of conservative again commitment to traditional values and ideas with opposition to change or innovation ah okay so no wonder why they opposed getting rid of slavery because it would have marked innovation and change something that is not conservative point number one. one oh ah, so conservatives liked slavery at the time not to mention what occurred just after the civil war which was the era of reconstruction or what was supposed to be because lincoln was assassinated and his vice president became president andrew johnson who was a Southern Unionist who opposed rights for African-Americans and was impeached, becoming one of the worst presidents in us history legislation that was being proposed by Republicans that would protect former slaves from white persecution and create fundamental changes to the South's social fabric failed to pass. And former Confederate officials and slave owners returned to power across the South After federal troops were pulled years later in 1877 by President Rutherford B. Hayes due to the Compromise of 1877, after Hayes lost the popular vote but won the Electoral College. Sounds like a president recently. Two of them, actually. How about that? What are you implying? So it was these former slave owners and Confederate officials who are conservative that passed into law sweeping conservative laws in the South, ushering in the Jim Crow era, not to mention the Ku Klux Klan was allowed to thrive under these Southern policies. So if the laws that would have protected former slaves were passed earlier on and the federal government hadn't given up on Reconstruction, civil and voting rights for African Americans probably would have been guaranteed much earlier than the 1960s. But it was conservatives who ushered in Jim Crow, who built monuments after Confederate generals while naming important places, After those individuals, those people fought to keep black people enslaved in this country. Conservatives did. That's a fact! That's all I'm going to say. So let's move into the next century, the 20th century, into the era of another popular Republican president, Theodore Roosevelt. But modern Republicans really don't embrace Roosevelt as much as they do Lincoln. It would probably be silly for them to do so because he's known as America's first true socially liberal president while also being known as the last progressive republican president roosevelt embraced big government more than perhaps any of the presidents that came before him he was strong on civil rights he invited booker t washington to become the first black person to be entertained in the white house in 1901 he was a strong advocate for democracy on the world stage he became the first american to be awarded the nobel peace prize After he mediated an end to the Russo-Japanese War in 1905, he facilitated the construction of the Panama Canal, and he helped break up the monopolies of the railroads at the time. And he was also a staunch conservationist. He established the U.S. Forest Service, and he made conservation a top priority. So, sorry for the rant, but he was also a pretty cool guy. If you haven't watched, go watch the Ken Burns PBS documentary on the Roosevelt's. It goes in-depth on Teddy. And FDR, and you'll see why I'm talking about all these accomplishments, because he was a pretty good president. That's cool. Roosevelt is consistently remembered as one of America's best presidents and played a significant part in the parties forming their current ideologies after he and his progressive followers actually split off from the Republicans after his presidency in 1912 when he was trying to run again for third term. That never worked out. So then, another president, this one a Democrat, President Woodrow Wilson, who shares hometowns with Xander, how about that little fact? That was dumb. He was more of a Bill Clinton Democrat, even though Bill Clinton didn't come for decades and decades later, but he was also big government with his accomplishments coming with the Federal Reserve Act, the Federal Trade Commission Act, and he helped increase America's global power during and after World War I, of course. He was also a bit of a racist, but... that's bad stinger it was more of a classic liberal friendly to the south but nevertheless the federal reserve we rely on so heavily today was established under his watch of big government that's pretty good fast forward to the late 1920s we have republican presidents calvin coolidge and herbert hoover and by this point the republican party is moving away from progressives and Teddy roosevelt and herbert hoover is known as the father of american conservatism and is quite possibly the first socially conservative Republican president. Of course, this is when the Great Depression happened, and it happened on Hoover's watch. And while it was years in the making, of course, it was conservative Republicans who had controlled the White House since 1921. in the truth. So Hoover is known as one of the worst presidents in history. And after he lost re-election in 1933, he spent his rest of his life embracing conservatism and denouncing what was to come in the next few years. The father of American conservatism. But modern Republicans don't really mention him a lot. Hmm. Probably because he wasn't that good. And by 1933, the country was in a ton of trouble. The Great Depression was still rolling four years later. And in comes the first Democratic president in 12 years. You might know his name. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, known as the father of Amer- modern American social liberalism. Roosevelt, who is fifth cousins with Teddy Roosevelt. Embrace big government and progressivism to help get the U.S. out of the worst economic crisis it has ever faced. Roosevelt ushered in modern American liberalism into the Democratic Party, and his New Deal programs were some of the largest expansions of the federal government in history. And they worked, like the National Industrial Recovery Act, which allowed workers to unionize, the Public Works Administration was created, the Tennessee Valley Authority built dams along the Tennessee River. And the Banking Act of 1933 created the FDIC, which allows your bank deposits of up to $250,000 to be insured. How about that? And the Second New Deal, which happened two years later in 1935, created the Works Progress Administration to provide jobs for unemployed people, the National Labor Relations Act, and the Social Security Act, which created Social Security, a vital part of American life today, to get millions and millions of people Out of poverty, particularly elderly Americans. Slow down, buddy. And Roosevelt also maneuvered the U.S. through World War II and was the only president in history to serve four terms, even though he died just a couple months into his fourth term. And while President Wilson, Woodrow Wilson, was liberal, Roosevelt ushered in a new Democratic Party that put Jim Crow in the back burner and made the Democratic Party really a progressive, left-leaning party, kind of like the one you see. Today, and he's also one of the most popular presidents in history, just to let you know. So, after Roosevelt comes Harry Truman, who becomes president after Roosevelt dies. And he was more to the center of Roosevelt, but he was still to the left of the Republicans. He made great headway in civil rights. He desegregated the armed forces, while he also increased globalization, like the Truman Doctrine, which fought against the spread of communism, and the Marshall Plan, which helped assist nations devastated by world war ii after that was a republican president dwight eisenhower but he could really be a toss-up in today's landscape he's embraced a lot by both parties nowadays he continued new deal agencies like truman and expanded social security nasa was founded under his watch and he launched the interstate highway system which has its own troubles nowadays but at the time it was a marvel and that sounds pretty liberal but he wasn't the best with civil rights however he is known as a really good president but really is it defined by the conservative liberal liberal i guess he'd be a moderate today i don't even know huh but the 1960s is when we really get to see the modern republican party come into form even if we don't see it yet for another 20 years or so but it still is a while to go so in the 1960s we get democratic presidents john f kennedy and lyndon b johnson who brought the country back to the left johnson in particular signed the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act, which were monumental steps towards equality for all in America that should have been signed nearly a century ago if it wasn't for conservative blockades that we told you about earlier. And that really completed the shift of the Democratic Party from the South because a lot of the Southern Democrats, Dixiecrats, did not like all these equalities for black people. Oh no, how could you? So they went off and joined the Republican Party. Get that out of here. Which then elected President Nixon in 1968, and then after him, President Ford. They weren't very conservative. In fact, they were liberal on some issues, with Nixon being pro-big government. He created the EPA, and Ford actually pardoned draft dodgers of Vietnam, but still, iffy. And then, 1976, President Jimmy Carter... He's not remembered as the best thing, which probably should be corrected, even though he wasn't the greatest. He wasn't terrible, though. The inflation and economic troubles during his administration, which he gets blamed for a lot, were really the cause of economic policies during the Nixon administration. And Carter was actually the first president to install solar panels on... Top of the White House. How about that? Which were taken down by the next administration. Um, ah, we'll get to that. He developed a national energy policy, which responded to the energy crisis He created the Department of Education. He expanded the national park system. So he wasn't the greatest, but good grief. He wasn't bad or terrible. But people at the time thought he was because they didn't understand why the economy was terrible because of past Republican policies. So Carter was blamed for the mistakes of the past. And America took a bad turn to the right here it comes with your boy ronnie reagan who is really the definition of the modern era of conservatism and that's a bad thing the country perceived jimmy carter as a failure so they gave ronald reagan a chance in 1980 well big mistake reagan was able to win and take control of the republican party by taking advantage of the fears that the american people had over things like gay rights feminism crime gun control and this age of conservatism really began back with arizona senator barry goldwater who lost to president johnson in the 1964 election but goldwater campaigned on ending the progressive income tax ending agricultural subsidiaries risking nuclear war against the soviet union and he condemned the brown v board of education decision in the Supreme court you know the one that ends segregation in schools. He didn't like that. Huh. And Reagan was able to get formerly non-active religious groups into politics with a bunch of these issues like gay rights, feminism. They don't like those. And he was also the first presidential candidate to be endorsed by the NRA. And this was, of course, after the NRA was taken over by radical members who were against gun control after a rising crime occurred in the late 1960s and over the next eight years reagan does many things that conservatives champion but that have done great damage to america reagan famously claimed remember this government is not the solution to our problem government is the problem well maybe his government because let's let's i got a long list let's just take a look into these to begin listen up there were at least 138 officials in his administration, including several cabinet members, including an attorney general, who were either investigated, indicted, or convicted of crimes. That's the largest number of any presidential administration. I don't know. Trump might be coming for him. We'll see. Sick bird! And during his administration, the top tax rate was cut from 70% to 50% to 38.5% to 28%, which spurred short term growth in the economy but has led to long-term consequence. Why would we raise taxes when government spending increased? It's part of the reason why the debt is as high as it is today. That decrease was part of what they call trickle-down economics, Uh which have proven to not work at all. Why? Well, those plans cut taxes for corporations and the wealthy, thinking that, The corporations and the wealthy are going to give the savings down to the middle and lower classes. Except there's one problem. The wealthy don't share those savings. They keep them for themselves. So that has only led to a massive widening in the wealth gap, which continues today. So that's not good. Of course, Reagan also campaigned on decreasing government spending, which would be conservative. But that did not happen under his presidency as defense spending continued to rise. And because there was a reduction in income from taxes, Reagan had to borrow hundreds of billions of dollars from the Social Security Trust Fund to help fund the government, money that has not been paid back yet and is contributing to today's troubles with Social Security. Reagan also proposed cutting funding for AIDS research while it was an epidemic during the 1980s he criticized president carter for having a budget deficit of 50 billion dollars and then he had a budget deficit of over 200 billion dollars while tripling the national debt in eight years he was a known liar in fact How about that well all politicians are but his story about the chicago welfare queen if you're old enough you remember that that wasn't true and he also once said that trees cause more pollution than automobiles. That's not a fact. Which I don't know. That's not true. I don't, I guess that was part of his demented stage. And then his FTC commissioner abolished proposals that banned ads for sugary foods in ch- to children. And in fact, so the FTC had no authority to regulate advertising and marketing to children. So today, 98% of Food advertisements for children are for products high in fat, sugar, or sodium, probably why the country's so obese. And Reagan's FCC abolished the Fairness Doctrine, which required broadcast licenses to report controversial issues in a fair and balanced manner, which directly led to the rise of right-wing talk radio and outlets like Fox News. Oh, but if you think his domestic policies were bad, just wait until you hear about foreign policy because Reagan's administration armed both Iraq and Iran during the war between the two nations, despite the fact that Iraq and Saddam Hussein were using chemical weapons against civilian populations and they supplied Iran against a law in the US that Reagan himself had signed. He also vetoed a UN resolution condemning Iraq, of using chemical weapons on kurdish civilians his deals with terrorists in lebanon were a disaster where they got more hostages taken after he caved to the demands of terrorists in lebanon to let go of hostages he caved to the demands of terrorists in beirut as well where he pulled all u.s troops After a truck bomb killed 241 U.S. Marines, which was what the terrorists wanted him to do, he also failed to track down and punish the terrorists who committed the act even after he promised he would. And instead, he attacked Grenada to remove Cuban soldiers there, a deflection that didn't make any sense other than to deflect from his other failure. He supported the Nicaraguan Contras, which were the freedom fighters, he called them, even though those were individuals who killed civilians and wanted to overthrow a democratically elected government. The supply of weapons he sent to those rebels was also in violation of a law he signed himself, and he did nothing after an Iraqi fighter jet fired a missile at a U.S. Navy ship in 1987, with Iraq still the only non-allied country to attack a U.S. warship without retaliation in History. He armed and supported rebels in Afghanistan, like a man named Osama bin Laden, which allowed those rebels to create Al Qaeda and commit the 9 11 terrorist attacks. So, am I saying Reagan did 9 11? Yes. What do you he say? He supported the apartheid government in South Africa and vetoed the Anti Apartheid Act of 1986. He also supported the dictatorships in Panama, in the Philippines after the dictator in the philippines killed his political rival and rigged his own election and in el salvador where the regime was known for killing civilians including americans so yeah he wasn't that great of a president ronald reagan Who? his success or what conservatives want you to believe his, was his successes were built up on fear of minorities on fear of women gaining equality and power, of lgbtq rights of black people gaining power of just fear they wanted you to fear, which is what they still want you to do today, which is why they scream socialism at Hispanics and immigrants and Cubans, and then they say, "Oh my gosh, socialism, and they vote for them, even though Democrats aren't doing that socialism thing you hate to see it so then, after Reagan comes, his vice president George Herbert Walker. Bush, who wasn't much better, but he was a little to the center. He did raise taxes, which did help the economy a little bit, but nowhere near the amount that the next president did, President Bill Clinton. He trimmed the deficit, created a surplus, and balanced the budget. Clinton did have a lot of personal shortfalls, however, which were his downfall, but he was a really good economic president. And the modern Republican Party also isn't too pleased with the next president, George W. Bush who was a really bad president. Also, first, he probably shouldn't have been elected because the conservative Supreme Court stopped the recounts in Florida. He sidestepped warnings in the beginning months of his presidency that led to 9-11, then invaded Afghanistan, which was justified at the time, but he just stayed there, leading to what has happened recently. He also invaded Iraq on the notion that there were weapons of mass destruction, even though they said that, and it turned out there weren't weapons of mass destruction in Iraq which cost the U.S. trillions. And of course, he cut taxes as well. And his economic policies directly led to the market crashing in 2008 and a recession that has had lasting repercussions on the nation and the world. That's the Bushes. And then you all know what happened with the next Republican president, so I'm not even going to go there. But even though he's more of a populist and probably doesn't even know what conservative means, but the Tea Party movement that emerged during President Barack Obama's administration really helped lead to trump and the modern day republican craziness party so Sanders facts how about that history lesson for you we literally just recap the last 150 years of america and what conservatism has done to america so now you see what i'm saying now you see i'm not crazy hopefully i might still be crazy i don't know but i had to take a look at what some conservative publications are saying and why they believe in the conservative movement because i had to figure out why do they believe this stuff so for my research i found an article from the heritage foundation i know the heritage foundation you dummy here is what the article from march 11th 2020 was entitled five examples of how the conservative movement is leading the way wow and that article might have been the worst articles i have ever read because it really doesn't lay out the five examples, and basically just lists out names of conservative commentators and politicians, guys like Tucker Carlson, Ben Shapiro, Ted Cruz, Mike Pence, Disgusting! who have all done and said terrible things. So that didn't really help me. I could barely find the five examples, but the top of the article did list key takeaways. So I did look at those, and they said, Number one, quote, the record is clear that freedom leads to prosperity, opportunity, and a civil society, end quote. Okay, well, I don't think Democrats are advocating against freedom, so that doesn't really make any sense. Number two, freedom works everywhere thanks to the invisible hand of enterprise. Two billion people around the world no longer live in poverty. Okay, well, once again, freedom. And just remember, it was the democratic policies that have lifted millions out of poverty in the U.S., like the New Deal, the Great Society. So I have no idea where he's getting the invisible hand idea from. It was progressives who did that in America. And number three, quote, conservatives reject the leftist argument that America's best days are behind her, unquote. Well, <laughs> huh? that doesn't make any sense. What's make America great again if you say America's best days are behind us. That doesn't make any sense. I don't think there's a single person on the left that would argue America's best days are in the past when they're advocating for all these reforms. That's like some crazy BS. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know what that was. Best the leftist argument. Who's arguing that? So then I was like, okay, that article's full of crap. So after that, doozy, I found an article in the National Review and said, oh, this can't be much better. The title, What Has Conservatism Ever Done for Us? A great deal, actually, unquote. Ah, this article's from February 17th. 2016. I would agree, a great deal of destruction. But that's not what they said. The article advocates for all of Reagan's ideals that we just laid out. So here they are in this author's form quote marginalization of wage and price controls and of other centralizing tools, the lowering of destructive tax rates on income and other forms of wealth, the deregulation of a significant number of major industries. A renewed focus on national sovereignty, the successful reform of the welfare system, a consensus around free trade, a much lower minimum wage, a focus on both the text and the original meaning of the Constitution when discussing limits on government power, huh. the restoration of the right to keep and bear arms, oh. the stronger protection of freedom of expression, a national partial birth abortion ban, the death of speech-killing, campaign finance reform unless we forget the peaceful dismantling of the soviet union so apparently all those were good well i'm just gonna say here comes a fact guns keep killing people abortions when you restrict abortions that goes against limiting government and conservative ideals so that doesn't make any sense campaign finance reform is not speech killing because it honestly kills. The speech of the minority and people who don't have money, because it just lets all the wealthy corporations fund elections and the peaceful dismantling of the Soviet Union. I guess it was all Reagan who did that. I guess when he said, tear down that wall. I guess that I guess that did it. Amazing. What an amazing man. Yeah, I don't think so. So I a much lower minimum wage, too. That increases the wealth disparity, the wealth gap, which is not a good thing. The wealth gap in our country so i don't get that but the article also states that without conservatives under the obama administration we would have seen the death of the bush tax cuts introduction of carbon dioxide emissions cap gun control such as an assault weapons ban and a federal firearms registry a public option under obamacare reduced college tuition increased spending and an increase in immigrants oh man all those things sound amazing Well, pretty much. I mean, a carbon dioxide emissions cap would help save the planet, so that makes sense. The Bush tax cuts were for the wealthy, so that would help get rid of the wealth gap. Gun control and assault weapons ban. Why do you need a gun that shoots? Why do you need that? uh federal firearms registry so that we know who has a gun which might be nice so that crazy people don't get what like me public option under obamacare which would reduce health care costs that'd be nice reduce college tuition that would be nice increase in immigrants that would be pretty nice too because they think all immigrants are murderers apparently which they're not so yeah all those things sound good this article really isn't working for me and then the article goes on how conservatives have allowed right to work which is not good virginia is a right to work state and they are regularly ranked last for uh, workers rights so that doesn't make any sense liberalized concealed carry which they want you to just carry your gun all over the place school choice which tries to get rid of public schools in favor of christian schools you can learn how to be a good christian by ignoring the poor and focusing on your own personal wealth restricting gay marriage because apparently that's terrible abortion restrictions which again as i said oh yeah very conservative and then that red states have none of the regulatory and fiscal reforms that are coaxing americans out of the blue states and onto the red horizon well that was proved incorrect by the 2020 census which showed that red rural areas are actually losing population while blue urban areas are continuing to gain population so that of course doesn't make any sense yeah all those things sound awful and it leads back to why conservatism has not worked in america liberals and progressives have actually been the ones to socially advance the country under lincoln both the roosevelts johnson and then obama oh my gosh a black president i know he was actually pretty good And of course, economically, it was FDR and the New Deal that had to resurrect the country after Hoover and the conservatives failed. Same be it that Clinton, who was able to balance the budget after the unemployment rate under Reagan was higher in his eight years than the preceding eight years. Same be it Obama, whose policies restricting the banking industry and providing stimulus helped resurrect the economy after eight years of Bush and conservatism. And of course that recovery wasn't fast enough for republicans who of course caused the recovery to happen so they all went in on trumpy boy and now we have another democratic president who is cleaning up the mess left by yet another conservative republican president sound familiar in fact biden's afghanistan withdrawal is actually cleaning up the mess of bush 43 another republican Good facts so maybe that's why all of that that i just said is mentioned in a Washington Post article from July fourth, twenty nineteen, from Fareed Zakaria, entitled "Quote: Why American Conservatism Failed," unquote. So, in review, conservatism, really, Republicans. After all of those historical facts, you still really believe. Conservatism is the way to go in America, even though Republicans really aren't embracing conservatism right now, as they clearly don't want remo- democracy anymore, as they try to rig elections. And basically, their only points are to own the libs, because the libs are terrible. Oh my gosh. Just make this your one lesson from this very long podcast, if you make anything, if you learn anything from this podcast. Conservatism has not led to prosperity in America. That is a fact. Conservative social policies have set this country back while disenfranchising minorities. That's another fact. And conservative economic policies, like trickle-down economics, have never worked, and in fact have caused many more problems than solutions in today's world. Yet another fact. Cool facts, bro. So that's all of my rant for today, but hopefully you learned who's actually been moving This country forward over the last few centuries, and who still is today? It's not conservatives. It's not Republicans. It's progressives, liberals, social democrats who have helped advance this country forward and have made it what it is today and are trying to do it right now in front of your eyes with these two infrastructure bills. That's all I've got for you this week. Xander's Historical Facts. How about that? Congratulations. That's all we've got for episode 36 of the Xander's Facts podcast this week. Thank you all for listening. And remember, if you liked all those facts, if because they were facts, just to let you know, then click that follow button, click that download button on this episode, rate, review the podcast, nice reviews, please, and then go on all your socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at xander's facts that's xander with a z and most importantly remember to tell all your friends oh my gosh xander just had this crazy podcast where he called out conservatism but cat all these facts and i was like oh my gosh xander you're amazing and then you tell everyone and everyone's like oh my gosh i'm gonna go listen to xander's facts podcast go do that xander's facts podcast spread the facts on episode 36 But we've got episode 37 next week. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but the NBA season's coming up and we've got football. So who knows? Tune into episode 37 next week. But that is a wrap on episode 36 of the Zaders Facts Podcast. Thank you all for listening and we'll see y'all next week. Il di sole e timido passeggerai da solo. Io vengo te. Le novità piovessero dal cielo, staremo tutti ad aspettare. I don't even know how to spell that.